Amen. What a powerful message and song. Take out your Bible this morning and turn with me to the second book of uh, Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And as you're turning there this morning, um, I hope you'll find it. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. And if you're using a pew Bible right there in front of you, I'll help you. It's on page 160, all right? 160 in your pew Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be in one verse this morning, and we're going to focus all of our attention on this one verse and trust for the Lord, the Spirit of God, to speak to us from this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And find it there, and we'll read it in just a moment. We know many of us from the time that we are born, and when we are very little growing up, we are captivated by the thought of treasure. I don't know if this encompasses you or not, but many of us growing up were very intrigued with this thing called treasure, whether it was reading stories or watching movies. Uh, Some of us had family who told tales of buried treasure And uh, this was intriguing to us. We are thrilled with the thought of a treasure hunt. In fact, I'm thrilled uh, with the thought of a treasure hunt. Some of our favorite movies uh, growing up have this theme of finding treasure in them. Whether it is hunting for the treasure of all treasures with jewels and goals and coins and rare artifacts based off of some clue on the back of the Declaration of Independence... Or if it is pirates engaged in a battle and struggling for this elaborate buried treasure and finding the fountain of youth, or it could even be a modern antique show. And uh, you see people as they're just diving into piles of junk in grandma's attic or in Uncle Bob's um, barn that's collapsing, and they are digging through stuff, and they pull out something that is just this rare treasure. And it is uh, this gem of some kind that seems to have been forgotten to history. And, and all of us are thrilled with the thought of treasure. We're thil- thrilled with uh, finding treasure. Wouldn't it be awesome to find treasure? How many of you would say it would be awesome to find treasure? Well, you know, in many ways, I think it would be awesome. And in fact, if we've, as we've opened our Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Uh, what we discover here in this passage is that for those who are in Christ Jesus, they actually already possess the greatest treasure there is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Would you stand to your feet with me as we read from God's Word today? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes in verse 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Would you lift up your eyes overhead to the screen and read that with me? Here we go. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This morning, would you pray with me? Father, we ask this morning for your spirit to be our teacher. We pray that as we consider this verse that is so rich in meaning, that it would challenge each one of us today in our lives of the place where we find ourselves. Lord, we pray that this passage this morning would not just be um, something that we think about right now, but something that, um, Lord, we take this truth into our life this week as we just uncover, Lord, what it is you're saying to us here. 
uh, how these jars of clay could possess such treasure. We, we ask it in your mighty name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you be seated? We're just going to unpack one verse this morning. I know normally we're working through a passage, but this morning we're going to open our Bible and consider this one verse, and as, as we do so, I'm going to give you two big headings to kind of frame what we're talking about. The first is this, we, I want you to consider the treasure I want you to consider the treasure. If you look in your Bible, down there in your Bible in verse 7, the Bible says, but we have this treasure. What, what is the treasure? The Bible says that you and I have this treasure, but in order to figure out what the treasure is and what it's referring to, we have to look back. So, so someone shout out to me the very first word in verse 7. What is the very first word? But, and, and but is a connective word, right? It, it, it's linking something in the previous verse. So go back and look at verse 6, and let's answer the question, what is this treasure? Paul answers it for us in verse 6. He says, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Very simply put, the treasure is What? It's Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus. Quite simply, we could say that the treasure that Paul is referring to here is the gospel. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is the, this is the treasure that Paul is referring to. You say, it's a treasure. The gospel is a treasure. I don't know if I've ever thought about the gospel being a treasure. You say, how so? Well, notice the Bible will tell us, how is the treasure, how is God's treasure so valuable? We, we, we recognize that it is because of the gospel, it is because of Jesus Christ that you and I, sinners deserving of God's condemnation, that you and I, sinners before a holy and righteous God, that, that you and I, who are sinners, can be saved by God's grace that you and I can be declared righteous before a holy God. And how does that happen? It happens through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It happens through the power of the gospel. And, and here's the thing, that should not be old news to us. The gospel should not be old news to us. The gospel should be news that, that just fills our life with, with such joy. It's what we sing about. The, Bible, the song this morning, I love the song. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can't take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. That, my friend, should not be old news to us. The gospel should not be old news to us. When we think about what Jesus has done for us, Paul is absolutely clear that you and I, if we are in Christ Jesus and we have received the gospel into our life, we have by faith received the greatest treasure. And Paul says it's a treasure we have within us. It is a treasure so valuable. You say, how valuable is it? Well, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in a field, which a man found and covered up, and for joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So this guy, for joy, he sells all of his possessions. He sells all of his earthly belongings to do what? To make a transaction. 
I mean, could you imagine that? Taking everything that you have, everything that you own, everything that you hold dear to you and putting it up for sale. And you're putting it up for sale on like rock bottom prices. Like you're putting on Facebook marketplace to sell, right? I mean, you want it all gone so that you can take the money that you take in from that transaction and go and buy a piece of property because you know that there is treasure hidden in that field. Jesus said in the same way, He says it again in different words in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. You say, what's the point? Jesus is helping us understand that the treasure that God would give us in the gospel is completely incomparable. It is a treasure like nothing else. In the book of Colossians, Paul tells them that to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, the thing is today, people will spend all kinds of money. They will go to all links in search of buried treasure. I mean, there are people who are still treasure hunters to this day. Uh, going out on these crazy expeditions, trying to find something that has this intrinsic value. And what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying in each of these passages is, hey, there is a treasure that is unseen, but it is priceless. There is a treasure that, that you cannot see with your naked eye, but it is far more powerful. It is far more weighty than the treasures of these other things. Guys, can I take a mic this morning? I feel like I'm going to take a different mic. I don't mean to do this and interrupt us, but I'm losing this. All right. Can we do that? There we go. Sorry. All right. So Paul is online for them, the gospel. He says the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that is so intrinsically worth it. And it's a treasure that we can possess. Notice in your Bible, look at verse 7. Look at where it is found. Here's the beauty. You and I don't have to hunt for it. We don't have to search for it. The Bible says we can have it, and where where can we have it? Notice the Bible says in verse 7, but we have this treasure. What are the next four words? In jars of clay. So notice, the first point this morning, we were considering the treasure, but secondly, I want you to consider the treasure, secondly, contained within us. Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And you're here this morning, and you're like, what in the world is Paul talking about jars of clay? I mean, this seems a little foreign to us, but in the ancient world, this would have been very common. Jars of clay, you would have found them everywhere. They would have been everywhere, in every home, in every restaurant, Every place of of business, you would probably find a jar of clay. They were insignificant. They were unimportant. uh, They were temporary. uh, They were expendable. I was trying to think of a fitting illustration for our first century because a lot of us don't have clay pots lying around that are so ubiquitous. But we all have the plastic bag. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? The good old shopping. Now, I know that is a stretch from a jar of clay to a plastic bag, but stay with me. I think there is a comparison. Because a plastic bag is rather fragile, just like a jar of clay. I mean, you know that as well as I do. When you go to the grocery store, you just don't take one plastic bag. You take two. You got to double bag them. Unless, of course, you're in Roanoke County and you don't want to pay the five cents. And you're like my wife that goes in to buy 100 groceries and walks in with like one bag and comes out to the car like holding them. I was like, baby, you can spend 25 cents on a bag, you know, or on five bags. Go ahead. Like, please do it. But they're so fragile, don't they? They rip 
and then you just got to double bag it. Uh, they're pretty inferior. I mean, if you go shopping and you have the plastic bag, but then you're like in line with somebody that has like the fancy bag, or maybe they're just like one step up from you and they have the paper bag, you know, the quality paper bag that's durable. Some of them have designer stitch bags. I mean, you're going shopping in Aldi and like these people got these fancy bags, but you got this inferior plastic bag. It's expendable. I mean, you don't hold on to a plastic bag, do you? I mean, some of us hold on to them, but we have so many of them, they're just spilling out out of other plastic bags. And they're temporary, right? One rips, you just get a new one. It's actually the analogy of a jar of clay. You see, in first century, jars of clay were fragile, inferior, expendable. They were temporary. And, And Paul uses this analogy that people would have been so familiar with to help them think about the gospel, that, the, that, that God says the gospel is this treasure, and where has he put it? He's put it in jars of clay. He's contained it to, to be held in these clay jars, and, and, and they're ordinary jars. They're common jars. They're, they're, they're a picture of you and I. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this morning, they're a picture of us. They're a picture of us. These, these clay pots, they underscore for us this, this picture, and, and you say, well, what do, they, what do they underscore for us? I'm glad you asked that. They underscore a couple things. I want us to consider the treasure, and certainly the treasure is the priceless gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God paid for the sins of the world by the shedding of his blood. He, Jesus paid the ultimate price, and, and, and it's priceless. The, the gospel message of what it means for you and I is truly priceless, and, and it's this rare gem, and, and Paul wants us to behold that. But then he wants us to consider the gem and where it is placed in what it is put in. And and this gem that is so priceless, that is the gospel, Paul says is put in things that are so common, like jars of clay. And, you know, we see here in this passage a number of things that underscores. Number one, it underscores our own ordinariness. God does something different with his treasure. God does something different with his treasure than what you and I are tempted to do with our treasures. You see, what, what do we do with our earthly treasure? Often, well, whatever it is that we have in life, and I don't know if any of you have things that are really valuable or things that you would call treasured. It may not have monetary worth, but it has a lot of personal significance to you. And so you have a place where you keep that treasure um, all of us have different kinds of treasures. Like I've been to so many visits where ladies have all this elaborate china. And what do they do with that china? They don't just stuff it in a box. They, they display it in what? Yeah, that china cabinet. And, and some of them have more nicer china cabinets than their china, right? But it's like, you know, they, it's, it's sort in that. The same the same's true. You guys have valuables. You got coins. You got rare things that have been passed down through the family. What do you do? You put them in a safety deposit box. You put them in something that is significant, that can hold, uh, that can secure, like, the treasure. It's those of you that are guys and you have vintage hunting rifles, you, you just don't leave them sitting around. You put them in a gun case, and you put it in a, in, in a quite an elaborate gun case or maybe in a gun safe, Right? But God does something different with his treasure. God takes his treasured possession, the gospel, and he puts it in the most unlikely, ordinary thing. He puts it in people like you and I. I mean, in the ancient world, 
there would have been all sorts of vessels. You would have gone into somebody who was really well-to-do and in their home, you might have found a bunch of different kinds of vessels. You might have found a gold-leafed bowl or a gold-plated bowl or you might have found a Grecian vase or you might have found some type of a bowl or, a, or a, an oil lamp made out of marble or, or some type of a, you might, you might go into a house and find things of expensive wood, but but you see, if you went into any person's house, any common person's house, you would have found the everyday, run-of-the-mill, baked clay pot. It would have been everywhere. They would have been everywhere. They would have used them for all sorts of things, for water basins, for oil lamps, for food, even commodes. I mean, the pot, the, the, the clay pot, was so pervasive, but it's a picture of what you and I are like. Paul says, you and I, he says, hey, you want to have a right estimation of who you are? You're an old clay pot. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this morning, you're an old clay pot. You're just, you're just an old clay pot. It's, it's um, you know, I mean, what, what real value is there in a clay pot? Isn't that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians? Look overhead. Follow with me in 1 Corinthians verse chapter 1. Notice what Paul says. He says, For your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were noble of birth. But God chose what is in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Here's the thing. You might be an ordinary old clay pot this morning, but here's the good news of the gospel. God chose you. God chose you. And God chose you, and he has set you aside for a purpose. He not only chose you, as we learned this morning, God made you. God made you, and he has put his purpose within you, and, and God doesn't want you to be just like the person next to you. I remember when we were down at the Cove uh, a number of weeks ago, and we were listening to Jim Cimbala. He made this statement that so resonated with me. He, says, he said, uh, God has given you a voice, not an echo. God, God has called you to be the person that he has you to be, and, and God wants you to be unique just as you are. God hasn't made you like the person next to you. Praise God. <laughs> But he's made you the person just like you are. And in that, he's made you to become the person he wants you to be. He wants you not to be like the people next to you. God wants you to be like Jesus. And he's given you this purpose, and he's put his purpose in you as this old clay, ordinary pot. So we see first, what does this underscore? It underscores our own ordinariness. But secondly, we see the contrast between this gem that is the gospel being put into this ordinary pot, what does it underscore? Secondly, it underscores our weakness. Clay pots are fragile. Just the other week for Mother's Day, Ashlyn and I were uh, making something for Jessica and for my mom, and uh, I went into the 
uh, home store to buy a clay pot. I literally bought a couple clay pots. And what we were going to do is we were going to take her thumbprints and we put her thumbprints all over it like a flower and then like a butterfly. And then she had a little card that says, Happy Mother's Day from your love bug. And so we were like working on this project. I'm just telling you, those of you that are teachers and work with paint and children, much power goes out to you. You praise, you, uh, wow, like there's a lot. Like I don't know how many hours we spent, but you know, the thing I just remember is going into the home store and I'm trying to find a pot that's not broken. Like I'm in the garden section and all these clay pots are either chipped, they're shattered, they're broken. You, you say, well, why is that? Because it's a clay pot, <laughs> right? I mean, we're actually not surprised by that. I remember even taking one of the pots that I was really close on examining and driving it home, and we hit a speed bump, and something happened, and then it chipped the pot, you know? Because clay pots are weak. They're fragile. You, I mean, if I were to have one this morning and just drop it from the platform, I mean, it'd shatter into all of these pieces. And Paul's using this as a picture to represent to you and I our own life and how fragile they are. This whole chapter in chapter 4, you can read it as your homework later today, but the whole chapter is talking about the fragile nature of life. Life is so fragile and frail, and Paul in this passage is facing affliction even as he's living out the Christian life. And he's going through hardship and trial, and it's not easy. I mean, I, I was just the other day talking to my granddad on the phone, and he just recently celebrated his 83rd birthday. And him and my grandma had gone into one of their favorite restaurants, and the, during their meal, the manager came to them, and he said, Hey, Barney, happy birthday to you. He said, But you've been one up today. He said, what do you mean? And the manager pointed to the front door as two ladies, both my grandpa said, over 100 years old, walk into the restaurant to eat lunch. Now, I don't know about you, but even if you live a healthy life and a full life and you live to be one of those people who reach 100, do you realize in the big picture, in the scheme of everything, the Bible says that our life is but a vapor in light of eternity? I mean, that's how life is. The Bible says, uh, James says this, he says, Do you not know what tomorrow will bring? For what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The psalmist says, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. You turn the chapter to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the first sentence is, we know that if the tent, Paul's talking about our body, he's using a different analogy now from a clay pot to a tent, but if our tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, I mean, isn't that what happens to clay pots? They're weak, and they're temporary. But you know what? If you read verse 8, and I don't think they have it overhead, but you can look down in your Bible, you say, why, why are we so weak and God would take his gospel and put it within us? What a stark contrast that is. You know why? Because our own pitiful weakness reveals the mighty power of God. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, Paul says, but not crushed. You know why you're not crushed? You're not crushed because of the power of God. We're perplexed but not driven to despair. Why? Because of God's power. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Why? Because of God's power. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because of God's power. You see, Paul was able to say, look up here. Paul was able to go through his life and experience all of his hardship and trial. He could go through such difficult affliction, 
But Paul could remember that even in those pressing moments, even in those trying moments, even in those moments when he felt like he was cracking and falling apart, that he would not be destroyed because God's power would see him through. Amen? It's his power. It's God's power in our weakness. In my weakness, he is strong, the song says. So in all of this, we see our ordinariness, we see our weakness, but the last thing about a clay pot is it, it underscores our own expendability. Clay pots are expendable. I mean, you can buy them for cents at the dollar store, you know. And if one cracks, what do you do? Throw it away. You just grab another one. It's just like a plastic bag. Your plastic bag rips. What do you do? Get another one. It's expendable. John Wesley put it this way. It's a quote that I gave you a number of weeks ago. I haven't been able to get away from it. He says, God buries his workmen and continues his work. God buries his workmen and continues his work. I'm expendable. Turn to your neighbor and tell him I'm expendable. Yeah, not just me, you. <laughs> like, we're all, we're all expendable. We're all expendable. God buries his workmen and continues his work. Some of us would do real well to remember that. God's church will go on. I'm a clay jar with a lot of other clay pots this morning. But together we get to carry a priceless treasure, and that is the gospel. You know, Paul is going to go through some real hardship in his life. I mean, you think about Paul and all that he endured for the sake of Jesus Christ. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was betrayed. He, was, he, 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 he lost confidence in friends. He, he, he went through all the hardships in life. He faced illness. He faced death, martyrdom for the cause of Christ. But you know what? That's not the end, is it? Not if you possess a priceless treasure called the gospel. If you possess the gospel, then it's not the end. You're like, man, I came to church this morning, and pastor, your message is that I am an ordinary, fragile, expendable person. It would have been nice to have some better news than that. I'm telling you, it's good news. If you are listening, it's good news. Let me give you one last verse as we draw to an end here. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Paul says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel, a clay pot, for honorable use, set aside as holy. What's the next word? Someone tell me the next word. Useful to the master of the house ready for every good work. You know what? We might be expendable and, and weak and ordinary, but we can be useful for the kingdom. We can be useful for the master. There's this incredible treasure that God has put in us, and, and as a clay pot, what does God want me to do? I mean, what is, what is this that he has for me to do? That, 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 that word pot is, or vessel is a word of, of instrument. It's a word of being used for something. 
God wants your life to, to carry the gospel, this precious gem. God wants your life to not only carry it, but to share it, to shine it. What an amazing picture. We think of a missionary, someone like Hudson Taylor, who went into the inland of China, and this is what he said, God's giants have all been weak individuals who did great things for God because they reckoned on him being with them. You say, why in the world would God take this beautiful priceless, powerful treasure that is the gospel and put it in clay pots, entrust it to clay pots, not accidentally, but deliberately. Why would he do that? Notice the end of verse 7. But we have this treasure, the Bible says, in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? To God, and not to who? Not to us. God did it this way. Why did he do that way? So that he gets all the glory? If it was about the container, if it was about how good the container or powerful or strong the container is, then, then, it's, then it's actually not glorifying his gospel. But if God would put his gospel in weak people, in frail people, in ordinary people, in expendable people, but God would put his gospel in them that they might shine forth and carry it to other people, so that why? So that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The power is in the treasure of the gospel. It is not in the jar. I had a conversation with my granddad this past year, and we were on the phone, and He's just reminding me, he's like, man, you're going to have been at Catawba 10 years. And I was like, I know. And I, I told Jessica the other day, I can't tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, it's hard. You look back. How, how many of you can look back in your life 10 years ago and say, doesn't it seem to have gone by like that? And I was reflecting this morning as we were here at this campus, we were going to be at the property day, but we're here at the mountain campus, and believers have gathered and worshiped here in this valley for, and, 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 as Catawba Valley Baptist Church for like some 169, 70 years, something like that. None of us were here back then. Some of us are sitting in pews of things that people put together, prayed for, gave. I, I dare say any one of us were here when this thing was put in place. It's pretty remarkable when you think about it, right? That the gospel continues forward. I mean, it is only by the sheer grace of God that a church continues, that the gospel grows, that, that it develops, that, that there's this passing of a baton from generation to generation. God buries his workmen and continues his work. Why? So that we all might behold the awesome thing that this belongs to God and not to us. It's about him. It's about him. It's, 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 a, it's for his glory and what he is doing in our lives and, and, and what you and I get to be a part of and, and how he uses us for his kingdom. But man, as we think about generations coming and going and dying and being forgotten, we, we, we remember that, wait a minute, in all of that, doesn't it cause us to ponder the power of God? Doesn't it cause us to power the, ponder the grace of God? Doesn't it cause us to consider the wisdom of God in all that he has done? And so as we think about the fact that 
I'm just a clay pot and you're a clay pot, but God in his goodness and wisdom and power chose to put the gospel of Jesus Christ into our lives that by that we might shine forth and carry it in another generation. We marvel at this priceless treasure that is the gospel. We marvel at what God has done in the power of the gospel to change lives. It's in the changed life. It's in the, your life's been changed, has it not? How many of you remember what your clay pot was like before God took this priceless treasure that is the gospel and put it in your life and gave it such meaning and significance? You know, before Jesus, your life didn't have that. But because of the gospel and the good news of Jesus, and when God took that priceless treasure and he placed it in your life and he says, Justin, I want you to shine forth and carry this. Stephanie, I want you to shine forth and carry this. Doug, I want you to shine forth and carry this. God takes someone ordinary, someone who is (laughs) expendable. He takes that priceless treasure and he puts it within us and he changes our life and he's given us this great purpose, the greatest purpose we could live for and that is to carry forth that gospel and to shine for him. So that, Paul says, God's done all of this to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So as we draw to a summation this morning, can I just ask you a question? What does the gospel mean to you? What does the gospel mean to you? Is the gospel old news to you? The gospel should be good news, beautiful news. Every time we think about the gospel, it should be more beautiful than the last time. It's like those of you ladies that have an engagement ring, and every time you look at it, you just think it gets beautiful, more beautiful every day, you know? It's this priceless gem, and it's something that God has entrusted to each one of us. God wants us to awe and be in awe at this treasure that is the gospel. Some of you are here this morning, and you say, you know, Pastor Aaron, I can resonate with the message. I feel pretty weak. I feel pretty beat up. I feel, uh, I, I feel pretty crushed and cracked. And then we would point to our weakness. All of us have a tendency to point to the weaknesses in our life that seem to have hindered us from whatever. But I wonder this morning if rather you were to think about your weakness as maybe one of your greatest assets. The Bible says, for then when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. So it is an actual fact, maybe this morning, you're here this morning, and the weakness of something in your testimony that you say, I feel so held back, I feel... um, broken over this. I feel that God cannot use me because of this. My friend, it could be that could be God's greatest asset in your life to bring him glory in your clay pot. Why? So that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we thank you for your word, for the truth of your word, for hope. We are so undeserving. But you do tell us one thing. You tell us to cleanse ourselves. You tell us to cleanse ourselves to be a vessel that is clean and honorable so that it can be used. Lord, we don't use vessels that are filled. We use vessels that are empty. 
pray this morning that you would help us to empty ourselves. Pray that you would help us to cleanse and, Lord, to ask forgiveness to experience your cleansing in our life. Lord, if we feel like our pot's cracked or chipped, help us to believe by faith that you can renew that, remake it. And, Lord, even if you don't, you're still doing something that is good, and there's a point and a purpose in that. Help us to see these things. Help us to behold, Lord, this treasure that you've given us. Help us to think about how significant it is, and, and Lord, how much we should treasure it, but not only treasure it, Lord, how, how much we should be faithful in doing what you want us to do with it. Help us to be faithful in sharing it. Help us to be faithful in shining it. Lord, through our pots to bring you honor and glory, we ask it in your name. Everyone said amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Stand with me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. This morning, just a time of personal response, just some quiet personal response there in your seat, just privately there. Think about what this passage has spoken to you this morning, and right there in your pew, respond to the Lord, tell the Lord how this has spoken to you, and Lord, the next things uh, for you in your life.